It is time to check in with banking lawyer turned wine professional Tanya Tomaszewska joining us once again to talk wine. Tanya, so great to, to touch base with you this afternoon. Hi, Jill. It's great to be back on your show. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you as well. And should mention, we're not going to talk about green beer. Uh, People probably know they can go out and get green beer today. But you've got a bit of a green theme today for our wine discussion. Yeah. So I was thinking about this last week when I was driving down to Seattle in Washington State to attend an event called Taste Washington. And I was reminded of how green that state is. And it's the evergreen state. And I thought, there we go. There's our green topic for today. So it's all about Washington State and wine exploring just south of our border. I'm so glad you're doing this as well, because I think we we tend to not look at Washington. We think of the Okanagan, we think of farther down at Napa, but there are some great uh, wines and regions. So what did you learn at Taste Washington? A lot. There is a lot to taste and a lot to learn. So Taste Washington, I would say, is similar in format to the Vancouver International Wine Fest, which we discussed when I was last year on on the segment last time. So what I did is I attended some seminars on Saturday and Sunday last week. They're for everyday consumers or, you know, committed wine nerds like me. I, I went, you sit down, you try Uh, flights of wine with uh, local wine experts and winemakers and and do a deep dive into the regions. I did one on Yakima Valley, for example, and I did one on Washington State wines, comparing them to wines from around the world. So that that was really fun. Um, And those are open to everyone. And then also I went to what we'll call the Grand Tasting. So um, in Lumenfield near Pioneer Square, there were more than 250 wineries set up at Booz, booths in the facility and from all over Washington State's wine regions and there were also food stations. So it was a great way to taste my way around that state without going very far. So it's it's a fantastic, fantastic event. And I learned a lot. It sounds like it. It sounds like there was more, you need more time to get through everything. What kind of wines are are, are grown or kind of what, what thrives in Washington what, State? Yeah, what's going on down there? So huge diversity. Uh, as they say in America, A to Z. So Albarino to Zinfandel is grown more than 80 varieties in Washington State. Having said that, I would say the lar- a large focus is on Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, uh, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot. They, they do really well there, but there's lots on offer. Um, when you are in Washington State, you'll often hear vintners and producers talk about other old world wine regions which might be relatable or inspired and so you hear a lot of talk about Bordeaux and the Rhone Valley. Um, There's a huge range of styles. I think there's something for everyone. There are light aromatic styles to really very concentrated powerful reds. Um, I think there's something for everyone definitely. Sounds like it for sure. How does it compare when we look at the Okanagan Valley or BC wines? Well, there are a lot of similarities. I'll start with those um, before maybe we chat about differences. So I mentioned diversity. British Columbia, we have a lot of diversity in the grapes that we grow as well, like Washington State. A lot of this comes from geography. You know, we have um, in Okanagan, for example, we have a whole latitude, the 49th to the 50th parallel of grape growing, uh, lots of different subregions. So this brings lots of different uh, wine variety styles. And similarly in Washington State, you know, east of the Cascades, there's a huge rain shadow effect. So it's really dry and really arid, uh, perhaps like our South Okanagan Valley, Similkameen Valley, you have 
Yakiman, Walla Walla. So geography plays a huge role um, and they're similar. You know, it's um, for lack of better words, I'll use the word Cascadia, Pacific Northwest. Um, the border doesn't see geography always. Similarly, both regions are part of the Columbia River watershed. So that's kind of a large contiguous geographical uh, area. And I'd say lastly on the geography point, uh, soils, when you talk to cork dorks, it's often about the soils. And in both British Columbia and Washington State, extreme geological events in the past have been part of a formation. So whether it's glacial activity, flooding, um, you know, this main means there's been a resulting soil composition of all sorts of mixed matter. And so when you kind of dig down into the soils <laughs> for grape growing, there's some similarity there. Um, so that would be the geography piece. I guess in terms of the wine industry history, uh, both British Columbia and Washington State had their first plantings in 1850s, 1860s. Um, and in both cases, the industries really didn't start taking off until the later in the 1900s. So in Washington State, I'd say around the 1970s and in British Columbia, the 1980s. So similarities in terms of both regions are still thinking about where they're going. They're relatively young newcomers to the wine uh, global map uh, scene, so to speak. And they're both experiencing a huge influx of interest and investment and intellectual capital to their regions as people are really excited about what's going on and with a real drive to raise the quality bar and really hone into excellence. So I, I feel that. I feel both of that when I travel through Washington other wines and in British Columbia. And I think the la you know, the one last point I might add on that similarity, although there are many more, is a lot of that passion is driven by small boutique family-owned producers. I had an opportunity in Taste Washington to speak to a lot of small shops and the passion really comes through. And I, and I would say that about any wine region, passion really fuels it and it's fun and it's infectious to be around. And I find that both in British Columbia and Washington state. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of people are very dedicated to it. What about differences? What stuck out to you there? Well, I would say volume and size. So uh, geographically, there are many more acres under vine, as we say, in Washington state. There are close to 70,000 acres um, under vine, uh, meaning grape growing for wine production. In British Columbia, we have 10 to 11,000 acres across the regions. The majority is in the Okanagan Valley. So that's a huge differential. Uh, Washington has more than 1,000 wineries. We in British Columbia have about 460 licensed wineries. I mean, that's a lot for us. In the last five years, there has been ex exponential growth in British Columbia winery numbers. But, you know, that gives you the scale. Wine, uh, Washington has more than double the number of wineries we do. And as a result, production is a lot larger in Washington state. I think they make about 17 million cases of wine a year, mm -hmm. and we make significantly less. So there are volume, there are volume issues. Um, uh, differences, I guess, too, in terms of style of wine, I feel that both uh, regions show what we call nice, vibrant New World fruit. We have a lot of fresh acidity in our wines. Um, they're often what I call slicked with minerality, getting back to the soils and the geography. Uh, in my experience, I I find that Washington wines often have more intensity and concentration than many of our wines. And I think often that's because, remember, they're further south. So, you know, more heat, more sunlight. Um, but so I would say kind of alike, but in some cases different um, in style of wine that way. And I suppose my last point for the differences today would be from a consumer perspective, uh, in Washington state compared to British Columbia, there are more tasting room and visitor center opportunities 
uh, for locals and visitors to get out and try local wine. Um, there are lots of secondary tasting rooms, as we call them. So wineries have tasting rooms, but then they can also have tasting rooms in other areas, you know, uh, integrated retail stores, grocery stores. So in my experience, uh, there's more local product that's more readily available for consumers to try. I mean, there's a large <laughs> regulatory and historic background to that. But if you drive south of the border, that's just something that you would notice. So I'd say those are differences right now from a consumer travel perspective. All right. So if somebody is planning a trip south of the border, maybe to Seattle or Washington, what would you recommend? Well, there is a lot. Uh, no particular order. A couple of things I did last weekend, which I loved, is I drove down early and I went to South Seattle, so between Seattle and SeaTac uh, Airport. Um, I'm a bit of an aviation geek as well as a wine nerd. So I went to the Museum of Flight. If anyone has not been there, I highly recommend it if you're into aviation things. And why I'm mentioning that is because in that area, there's an area called Georgetown and they have uh, tasting rooms, wineries have set up. You can go there and, and try some wine. And But there's one in particular that I love called Jet City Lounge. And that's... Um, it it's, uh, shows all of the portfolio of Charles Smith wines. And Charles Smith is literally a rock star um, and a winemaking rock star in Washington State. So that's it's, it's a cool place to go um, and hang out in that region. Uh, downtown Seattle, there are also tasting rooms near Pike Place Market, uh, lots of restaurants and wine bars. So I think in that case, if you're in downtown Seattle, you can't go wrong. Find a place, ask them to pour you a glass of Washington State wine and, and just see where it takes you. Um, outside of Seattle is Woodenville. Probably many people have heard of Woodenville. It's, I don't know, maybe 25-minute drive from downtown Seattle, 30, depending on the traffic. It is a town with more than 130 wines, wineries, sorry, uh, representative in secondary tasting rooms. So you can go and try a lot of wine. There are restaurants, there are hotels you could stay overnight. So Woodenville is a great is a great destination. Um, and I think another point, I mean, if you wanted to go on a road trip, Walla Walla right near the border of Oregon is another place that's really uh, sought after for wine travel. So I think you're, you can't go wrong in Seattle. Um, if you have the opportunity to go to Woodenville, it's a great way to have one-stop shop and try a lot of wineries in one place. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, I think even if you're having a quick trip through and you have a couple of tastes of a few different wines, that in and of itself is just a great way to travel. And I think it's a great way to explore, you know, this idea of Cascadia. And although we have uh, we differ from our neighbors in many ways, we also share a lot. So, uh, you know, always be tasting, as you know, is my motto. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, quickly, what would you recommend then if somebody's not making a trip south of the border? Which, which ones can we purchase or find pretty easily here? Yeah, so great question. Uh, I think if you go to your local bottle shop, whether that's the BC liquor store, everything wine, private, specialty retailers, uh, there are a number of different Washington State wines that you can get on the market here. Uh, Chateau St. Michel, uh, which is based in, well, it has a, a, a tasting area in, in Woodenville. It is a, a huge producer uh, and they make a, have a huge portfolio and a range of styles of whites and reds. Their Riesling in particular, I think is excellent, but their wines are solid. Um, so anywhere, if you see a Chateau St. Michel, then I recommend maybe trying one of those. I mentioned earlier, Charles Smith, um, he has a range of portfolios, things called Wines of Substance and Cave Vintners. Um, they're a bit more premium. Uh, they're excellent examples of what we'll call vineyard specific in, in Washington state. So if you see anything by made by him, 
I'd grab it. And an offshoot of that is something that he started called Kung Fu Girl Riesling. It's now sold, uh, but it is excellent. I'd say that's a great quality value wine under $20. It's a dry Riesling. I love the name Kung Fu Girl. It's fun and it goes with anything and anyone to be quite honest. So look out for that. Um, and I suppose, you know, there are also, I'm mentioning smaller boutique wineries premium other names to throw out at you to look out for things like lacole 41 um gramercy sellers kilsada creek collector items uh woodward canyon and luke things like that i know i'm speaking quickly but people in the listening audience who are familiar with some of the washington state state wineries may know of those and and you can find them on the market but my recommendation is really just to go to your local shop and ask them ask them what they have all right, that works too. Uh, Tanya, we'll leave it there. That's uh, great information about Washington State and the wines. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend and schlancha. <laughs> right back at you.